Are you seeking light, reflective reading for the summer? Consider my most recent publication, A Letter to My Sisters Reflecting on God's Promises. This 62-page workbook-style publication guides you through brief narratives, biblical insights, and reflective questions, all encouraging you to contemplate on your experiences from a spiritual perspective. To learn more and to order your copy, visit drveronicahardy.com and submit your order through the Order My Copy tab. Thank you. Welcome, listeners, to There is Power in Your Story podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Veronica Hardy, and I was wondering, did you know that according to the National Alliance to End Homelessness, that there are approximately 560,000 people experiencing homelessness in the United States? And this includes individuals, families, veterans, children, and even college students. Many college students do not have a regular place to sleep, and this certainly adds stress during the pursuit of education. So the aim of today's conversation is to discuss a beautiful effort called the ASPIRE program developed by Dr. Tamara Savage, an assistant professor of social work at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. Hello, Dr. Savage. Thank you so much for joining me on There's Power in Your Story podcast. I was wondering if you could open with just sharing with our listeners a little about your passions and your professional background. Yes. So uh, right now I'm assistant professor in our Department of Social Work here at UNC. But my background, um, let's see, I used to, I've spent a lot of time working with homeless students and homeless people, people experiencing homelessness. And I used to work in Charlotte at a homeless shelter and I was the, the children's social worker there. And um, that made quite an impact on me. And then I started teaching in higher ed and I knew that there were students that were homeless, but um, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that a couple of students actually came to me and sort of told their story. Um, mm. Yeah. Hmm. So it sounds like a lot of your experience, um, your past professional experience, interactions with students has really inspired you to, um, I guess, develop the Aspire program. Yeah, it has. You know, my whole area of research has been around this idea of social exclusion and social rejection. And so, you know, working with people experiencing homelessness, that's what I've heard the most that, you know, they're very stigmatized and therefore tell people uh, what's going on in their lives. And that really rang true when the students, you know, came to me at UNCP and told me their stories um, mm. about the fact that they were, you know, hiding this for, for the whole time they were students for the most part. Um, mm. And so that really inspired me to begin the, the Aspire program. Mm-hmm. Um, you use two terms, social exclusion and social rejection. Could you could you share a little bit about those terms just for our listeners and their understanding? Yeah. 
social exclusion, social rejection. It's this idea that uh, people that we stigmatize, people that we see as the other, we push them to the margins of society. And when we do that, then it's, of course, very painful for people who are pushed to the margins because they become invisible mm. to us because um, they aren't, they become the other, they're not us, so they're invisible. Um, and it leads to, you know, all sorts of terrible outcomes, you know, high suicide rates, mm. increased depression, uh, social anxiety, and um, just overall negative outcomes for those that are marginalized. So I definitely hear that there's a connection between the social exclusion, uh, mental health issues um, that, that can arise. And I think of that in connection with students and how, of course, that would also affect their education as well. Yeah, it directly affects their education. You know, the, the students in my program often talk about living a double life. And so... Mm -hmm because they're very different than the typical student at, at universities because they're completely on their own and they don't have any real safety net. And so they try to, you know, be like a regular typical student to their peers, but then they, um, they know they're not. And so they have to come up with all these excuses of why they can't go out to eat or why they, can't, you know, go, you know, one's party and have a good time because they don't have the funds to do that, the resources. And they also know they've got to really study because this is it for them. This is their one shot uh, of getting out of um, homelessness. And so they don't have any kind of safety net at all. And it's really a lot of uh, pressure on them, you know, to kind of keep up this double life. And also this is like, they tell me the one shot they have to get out of, you know, and, and, um, you know, make something of their lives. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the Aspire program or give us an overview of it? Yeah, our program is a mentoring program that I developed. So it's one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, with students. It all, we also provide uh, hygiene supplies and snacks and even microwavable dinners now, school supplies. I'm able to get them school supplies for students. Um, and also we get together once a month, especially pre-COVID, of course, we get together once a month for some sort of social belonging activity. Uh, we go bowling sometimes. We uh, have dinners uh, with each other. It's just a chance for us to all get together and just be with a group of students that are sort of going through similar circumstances. And so they can take off mask, right? That double consciousness that they're having to live double lives are able to take that off in that setting and just kind of be who they are and open up uh, about their lives. Mm -hmm. They want to. And over time, that's really what's happened. Uh, students tell me they really look forward to those meetings with their peers and uh, just, you know, kind of really talk about uh, what's happening in their past and how that's led to who they are today and see those similarities with their peers. It's really powerful. And I, I like how you shared about that you engage in quite a few social belongingness activities with the students. And you mentioned about basically pre-COVID. And now that we're in this pandemic, what types of adjustments had to be made in regards to the program, but to still kind of keep the students involved in that sense of social belonging? Yeah, it's been really difficult because a lot of the students, they've left and they've gone, um, you know, off campus. And we've had some students who've stayed on campus. Uh, those are the students I've been able to keep up with the most. Um, so what it's become now is uh, 
basically one on still one on one mentoring. Uh, we got together as small groups to talk, uh, like in a conference call. But mostly it's been one on one mentoring and lots of texting because they like to text, which is fine. Some phone calls, especially now, I've seen a real increase in anxiety, um, which makes sense because no one really knows what right now where we're going to be in two months. And so uh, it really affects students, of course, they're young for the most part. And I'm for some of them, the only person they have to talk to guardian or mom or somebody they can call to talk to. So they call me when they start getting really anxious. Um, and so that's been hard because I can't get to them, you know, because uh, I haven't really anxious. I'd say come to my office and I'd be able to see them and we could talk through it. And now it's just a phone call. And that's difficult to know that, you know, they're hurting and I can't, you know, be there with them. But um, I had to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And I like how the the pandemic didn't break or disrupt the relationship in a way that that connection is still there. And like you said, through the use of texting and the conference calls, you're still able to connect and promote that sense of social belonging. Of course, definitely it's not what it was, but I like that you're still finding the, I guess, the strength, the motivation, the encouragement to keep the program going and remembering that the students are still out there. Yes. Thank you. It's, it has been challenging, but I think that, um, it's it's still working, and um, I think they really appreciate it. the students, especially the ones who've been keeping. In, some of them contact me, you know, every other day. I think it's been really helpful to them um, to have someone they can just, you know, be very real to about all their fears. And you know, I had one student who uh, was worried that she was going to get a B in one of her classes and wasn't going to get into grad school. And I was like, No, you're going to be okay. <laughs> And then a few days she called me up and said, I got into grad school. So it was nice to be able to sort of talk her through that and uh, and then share her, you know, good news, which has been nice. Yes. Yes. Now, how do you locate students who may may benefit or benefit from or need the the supports of the Aspire program? Yeah. And so I've started to get the word out on campus um, somewhat. And so I get students. um who hear about it from uh, the counseling center on campus and housing have referred students to me and also the director of the care team. Uh, she on campus, you know, who helps out students who are, you know, struggling with all sorts of issues. She promotes the program. And so those are the three main places now that I get students. Sometimes students that are in the program will refer students that they've met on campus and say, hey, this student is struggling and, uh, you know, experiencing homelessness. Could they be a part of the program? And so I get in touch with the the student then and then see if they actually uh, are for the program. Great, great. Now, how how is the program supported? Yeah, so the program supported fully through. Um, It's not a on campus that is supported by the university doing this as volunteer service for the university. So uh, there's no funding stream for it. So right now it's all donations supported. And we also, before COVID, we had uh, donations. We had one person, her business was actually kind of adopted us and um, they were uh, providing much of the food at that time. Um, So that was really helpful once we started 
closing down the campus facilities. Of course, campus is still open, but the facilities themselves, because the students in my program were able to go and get food um, and supplies. We had toilet paper when no one else did, thank goodness, and they were able to get that. Um, but it's we're solely donation. Hmm. So like you said, there's not like a, a line, a budget line item through the university necessarily. It's it's your volunteer service under the, the university. So yeah. as you mentioned, it's all supported through donations. And I definitely appreciate the business owner who yeah. adopted <laughs> the program. That That's definitely a blessing there. And I was wondering for our listeners, if our listeners wanted to support the Aspire program in some way, um, one, how would they go about doing that? And two, what are the current needs of the Aspire program for the students? Yeah, and so I actually have a fund set up at through the university. And so all of the funds, all donations would go through that fund. And I can definitely send that to you. Um, and then right now, the biggest need is gift cards um, or donations. I've been sending out gift cards uh, Walmart gift cards and grocery gift cards. And just some people have just sent in just, you know, I guess, multi-purpose gift cards to the students. Um, because I've had some students that one student right before COVID hit, we got her into housing. So she had absolutely nothing. She, she texted me and said, do you have some used pots and pans you could send me? So I was able to send her a lot of gift cards so that she could get what she needed. Uh, Cause she just had basically just a few pair of clothes and, in her book bag, she really didn't have anything. So that was extremely helpful. Um, so that's what I've been doing recently. Okay, now, now, if any of our listeners wanted to contact you directly about this Aspire program, what would you say is the best way they could do that? Yes, uh, email would be wonderful. And um, they could also uh, call me at the university if they wanted to. But email, I check it pretty frequently. And people have gotten up with me to send me gift cards uh, via email, you know, mailed it to me, snail mail. And, um, you know, I've even had some donations uh, that have gone into the fund recently, which were really nice. You can send out. Great. Yeah. Great. So I'll include your your university email with our, our podcast link as well. Um, so, again, so the listeners can have access to that. Um, just as we close out, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners before we go. Yeah, just thank you for listening. Dr. Hardy, I appreciate you, um, you know, showcasing this program. It's so important to our students. Um, I've seen students in the program just thrive. You know, they come to me, some of them have come to me, and uh, they wouldn't even come to any of our get togethers at all, which is fine because it's completely voluntary. But then after they got to know me a little bit, then they started coming. And then I saw that they all, you know, were for the first time in their lives felt included in a group and just, you know, have just done so well. So it's really, really does work. Uh, just taking a little time with students and just being there for them, listening to them and letting them know that they have a safety net now, like I'm there and um, I'm going to be there forever. You know, I have students that have graduated and I still keep in touch with them. I've helped students transition from, uh, you know, the university to the workforce and now they're thriving. So it's really making a difference in people's lives. And I am just so amazed by the generosity of people giving to this program. Um, it's just been overwhelming 
you know, to see that there are so many people in our community that care so much about the most vulnerable marginalized. And that I'm very grateful for that. Great. And I'm sure you already know this because I tell you this a lot, but I admire and appreciate you and the, the work, the effort, the passions that you engage yourself in and how you're contributing to the lives of students. Because like you said, many believe that this education is it. And this is their opportunity to gain that and to hopefully release them from, from this experience of homelessness. Oh, thank you so much. aspire means to long, aim, or seek ambitiously, to be eagerly desirous, especially for something great of high value. This word is very befitting for the Aspire program. And once again, I thank Dr. Savage for her voluntary efforts and also want to say to the students that I am completely proud of you. As Dr. Savitz mentioned, the Aspire program is fully supported by donations, so please give thought to possible ways you may contribute. I have included Dr. Savage's email address and funding link in the podcast description box. Thank you again for listening to There is Power in Your Story podcast.